0: Matthew chapter number 13, would you go there, please? And Brother Padillo, thank you for singing that. I don't want to to give up my life and get to the end of the road here and wish I had given him more. I want to give him everything I can now. How many understand what I'm saying tonight? I don't want to wish I had given him more, and I'm sure I will. Matthew chapter number 13, Matthew chapter number 13, we're in our series, The Parables of Christ, and I sure appreciate you being here on a Sunday night. I know that uh, many of you have work tomorrow and different things going on, and it's just a blessing to be here together. Matthew chapter 13. Last week, we started on the parable of the sower, trying to understand exactly what's going on in this parable. And tonight, we're going to finish that up with the four types of soil that Christ talks about. Matthew chapter number 13, look at verse number one. The same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside. Matthew chapter 13, verse two, and a great multitude were gathered together unto him so that he went into a ship and sat and the whole world, uh, the and uh, excuse me, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables saying, behold, the sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprung up but because they had no deepness of earth, and when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into what? Good ground. Some fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear? Jesus says, let him hear. Last week, we started the parable of the sower. We looked at the setting. Jesus is standing next to the seaside. You remember the crowd presses him back to the water. Jesus gets in the boat. He uses the natural amplification of the water to talk to the crowd. These are people just like you and me, regular people from all walks of life. And Jesus is preaching to them. We see he talks about the sower. He doesn't really mention anything spectacular about the sower. Or he doesn't give any, uh, any special uh, time in talking about the sower. It could be anybody just like you and I, and we're reminded that we are to be sowers. Then he talked, we talked about the seed, the seed being the Word of God. And we talked about the fact that we need the power of God's Word as we spread the seed. I was thinking about Brother Ehrlich and others that go out, and they give out that gospel track, and really the power behind the gospel is in the Word of God. We got to get the Word of God into people's hands so they can read it and they can have that power in their life. So tonight, we're going to talk about the soils. What do they mean? What are the four types of soils and what do they mean to us? And so hopefully tonight, we'll get a better understanding of that. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Thank you once again for tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would please work in our hearts in this message and open our hearts up, help us to... Uh, help us to understand the parable, but Lord, also apply the practical principles that we see in your word tonight. Lord, I pray that you remove me out of the way, remove all distractions out of the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We ended the last message last week if you, need a prayer, if you need the notes for tonight, would you slip up your hand? want to make sure we go. Oh, we got a lot. Okay, we'll make sure we get those out right now and make sure everybody has that, help you uh, to uh, stick along with me here as I go. We ended with the thought, this practical thought that we're all sowers and it's our job as Christians to sow the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our job. And all God's people said, Amen. God did not choose angels. God did not choose to sprinkle the seed of the gospel from the heavens. God chose to use you and he chose to use me to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to all of the world. And may I just remind us tonight, I'm not going to re-preach the message, but I may, may I just remind us tonight that while we are concerned about social justices and we are concerned about what's going on in the world around us, and yes, we are but listen, uh, we could do all the things that we want to do with those things. But if we're not telling other people about the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have failed. That's right. amen. And all God's people said, amen. amen. That's our duty. That's our job. The Great Commission is put in there for all of us uh, to follow. And so may I just remind you tonight that you are the sower. The seed is the word of God. But what do the soils represent? They represent the hearts of men. Each soil receives the seed differently. Jesus is illustrating these different types of soil and how they receive the word of God and may I just remind us again that even though we are the sowers, we are not responsible for how the soil receives the Word of God. Uh, uh, you know there's been days past where people are really aggressive and, and with the gospel, and I'm not for not being aggressive but but we're, we don 't put our foot in the door. You need to believe this. You can't do that. You cannot force somebody to believe the gospel. You give the gospel, you give them the truth. And if they want to receive it, the Holy Spirit has to do a work in someone's heart. The Holy Spirit has to draw them into salvation. That's not our job. We can't trick people into salvation. We can't bribe people. Is anybody listening tonight? We can't bribe anyone here to take, eat this candy and pray one, two, three after me. That's not the way that it works. The Holy Spirit draws and, and, and we give the truth. And so tonight, we're going to learn about these soils and how the hearts respond. And so the first soil that we see here, number one, is the wayside. The wayside. And we see that in Matthew chapter 13, but in Luke chapter number 8, verse 12, which is a supporting passage of this parable, Luke says it this way, those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved. The wayside is a representation of the hard-hearted man, the hard-hearted person. How many understand tonight that Satan is working overtime to harden the hearts of men? How many recognize that tonight? Okay, you're with me tonight? How many recognize that Satan is working overtime to harden the hearts of men? The Bible says that there will come a day when the truth will be hard to find. The truth will fall in the streets. We live in that day. We live in the day where the truth is not readily available. And the the hearts of men are becoming and are very hard. And the wayside represents that. The, The devil uses every means necessary that he can to make the ground as hard as he can. I don't know about you, but... I've met people that had very hard hearts to the gospel. It's that person that you try to tell them about Christ and they, they kind of yell at you. Get, get away from me. I don't want to hear that. That's a hard heart. We see here, letter A, that the wayside is hard to rain. It's hard to rain. That's what a wayside is. Think about what is the wayside. It's the side of the way, the, the hard ground where the seed might fall on the ground, but there's no, uh, there's no way for it to germinate. It's the hard, it's, it's hard terrain. My dad and mom used to live in Arizona and I'll never forget this one time. I was up there with them, and, and we're just telling people about the church where they were and in the neighborhood they were in, and it was like a little golf community kind of a thing, and I walked way up in this hill, and the whole way up the hill, it was a really long walk, and I'm thinking, oh, the Lord's going to be so proud of me because I'm walking up this hill, and this guy, he's going to accept Christ, and he's going to come to church because I'm walking up this hill. I was so proud of myself, and that's pride is the first problem that we have, amen? And so I get up there, and I'm excited. I walked all the way up this hill. I thought, nobody else is going to walk up this hill to talk to this guy, and I knocked on the door and he opened the door and he said, drop dead. And he shut the door. <laughs> so I walked back down the hill in shame. And, uh, and so that's the, that's the wayside terrain. That's the hard heart. Luke chapter number 8, verse 5. The sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and were trodden down, and the fowls came out of the air and devoured it. Think about the wayside, the path along the side where the horses and the people would walk. It was hard soil. Uh, No root could happen there. It was trampled. uh, And my wife and I's property where we live, and we live up in Stockton there, and there's parts of our backyard where the ground is so hard that literally the wind blows the dust off of it. And and there, it's like it's like concrete and there's no weeds there because the ground is hard, the seed of the grass seed or whatever falls. And and that's kind of the way that the hearts can get towards the gospel. We see the wayside is hard terrain, let it be. The wayside has hungry birds. <laughs> The second reason the seed has no chance to grow is because the fowls of the air develop, d- devour it. I think about a visitor that might come to a church like this one or any church that preaches the gospel and they hear the word of God and they hear the gospel preached. And as soon as the invitation rolls around and as soon as they're ready to accept Christ, the cell phone buzzes in their pocket. That's the birds. And don't you understand, and don't we understand tonight that the devil knows exactly when the gospel is being preached and if he has anything to do with it, if he has any possible way of being around at that time or his demons around at that time, they're going to do their best to snatch that seed out of somebody's heart. I know many times in my life where I've witnessed to somebody and literally they're listening and they're soaking it in and they're understanding and they're interested. They want to hear the gospel. They're ready to accept Christ. And all of a sudden the dog starts barking or someone pulls in the driveway where the Amazon guy throws the package over the fence or whatever the case might be i think about a lady at the door she hears the gospel she's ready to make that decision and all of a sudden the kids come home from school or satan dispatches these birds whenever the gospel is being preached matthew chapter number 13 verse 19 when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in the heart. This is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. Satan and his demons are working overtime to snatch the seed. Why? Why is Satan trying to snatch that seed? We'll go to Luke chapter number eight. Look at verse 12. Luke eight twelve says this. Those by the wayside, are they that hear, then cometh the what? Then cometh the Who? the devil, and he taketh the word out of their hearts. Why? Lest they should believe and be saved. The devil's, his goal is that people don't get saved. That's his goal. Let me say that again. The devil's goal is that people don't get saved. That's his goal. I said, that's his goal. If you don't believe that tonight, you should have seen some of the things I've seen in my life. Where the devil literally will, will distract somebody right at the moment of decision or bring something into somebody's life right at the moment of decision. The devil sends the bird of distraction, the birds of disbelief, the birds of despair, and he goes after people lest they should believe. Lastly, let us see here. We see the wayside as heavy traffic. Luke chapter number eight says the seed is trodden down. It's walked on. It's trampled. Do you ever come home from work out of the world? You come home and you felt like you've been trampled on. You felt like you've just been trampled on. Have you ever left church and you're excited and you're resolved to serve God and you're excited about getting out there and doing whatever it is you heard and you're excited about serving the Lord. But as soon as you get in the car, as soon as you get home, you get trampled on. The wayside is the trample, the the, the heavy traffic. There comes a place. They don't know anyone. The music is strange. The verbiage is unfamiliar. I'm talking about the guest. They come into the building, the songs don't make sense. They don't know anyone. It's an unfamiliar place. And they sit in a place like this, and I'm talking about the guest. They come in a place like this, they look around at you because they're trying to figure you out. Are you a weirdo? I'm sorry to disappoint you, but yes, we are a weirdo. Amen. They come in a place like this, they've never heard a song like what you sang tonight, Brother Padio. They never, they don't understand some of the things that we say. They listen to all this stuff, and and, and then that, but they hear the gospel, and the gospel is so clear. It's so crystal clear. We're all sinners. Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive us of our sin. The Bible says there's a penalty for our sin. They hear the crystal clear gospel and they understand it. It makes sense. I'm a sinner. And Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sin. My sin is forgiven. All I must do is receive that. And so the guest comes in and they hear that. But then family and then the media and then entertainment and then their professors at school or their friends at school, something happens in that that seed that was sown gets trampled on, gets trampled on the wayside. Christians, if we're going to see people truly come to Christ and grow in their faith, it's going to take more. I hope you don't misunderstand what I'm saying right now, but it's going to take more than just praying with somebody at the door. Most of the time when somebody prays at the door, not most of the time, sometimes they don't even understand what's going on. And we need to keep on going back to those people. And, and I know I'm, I'm preaching to, the, to Soul Winners today. I'm not saying we don't do that because we do that. And we talk to people. And if they're ready, we give them the gospel and they pray. But sometimes uh, people need to come to, uh, not sometimes, all the time people need to come to church and they need to grow in that. Otherwise, that gets trampled on. Let I me mean, understand what I'm talking about. I'm glad that in my life when I've doubted there's been people in my life that have helped me when the when the uh, whatever the gospel is trampled on, it's going to take long term care. When somebody gets saved, we ought to take care of them. My wife, when we when she plants a uh, uh, plant, sometimes we'll, we'll plant a plant, and because the ground is getting watered, what happens? Weeds grow up around it. Amen. Are you with me? Are you still with me tonight? And what happens if you don't pay attention to that little plant? It gets overwhelmed. And it chokes that little plant out. And and we need to be careful. We witness to people to take care of them. We see the wayside soil. Number two here, we see the stony ground. The stony ground. Look at Luke chapter number 8, verse 13. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no, what? Root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. Matthew chapter number 13, verse five says this, some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. Some people might read this and, and read into it and think that you can lose your salvation, but that's not what it's talking about here. The truth is that this is probably the most heartbreaking type of soil this is the man or the woman who comes to church. They hear the gospel. They like the service. They're moved by the emotion of the service. They're moved emotionally for something. And they may even pray a prayer of profession or pray, Would Jesus save me? They pray, uh, they have some kind of an emotional experience. They get excited about church. They get excited about what's going on. But then something happens in their life, something, and there's no there's no depth there, there's no deepness, and I'll, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But something happens. and and the excitement fades away quickly. And Luke says, they have no root. That's the key. They have no root. And eventually they fall away. Who are these people? Are they saved and lose their salvation? Are they saved and just not walking with God? The key is found in these verses. And by the way, that's why it's important not to mess around with the word of God. Amen? Because the words are important. These are people that are professing to be saved. They profess to have a, a, a profession in Christ Jesus, their Lord, but they're not truly saved. Is it possible for someone to say that they're saved and them not be saved? Absolutely. And all God's people said, it's possible. Have you ever talked to a Jehovah Witness? They're convinced that they're saved. And they'll tell you, I believe in Jesus Christ just like you do. And the truth is they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. The Bible says if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God, you cannot be saved. That's what the Bible says. And so whether we like that or not, that's what the truth is. And so we understand tonight that someone can say that they're saved and have a profession, but absolutely they cannot. It's possible that they're not. This type of soil has their faith built upon emotion. It's built on hype, trusting not in the saving power of Christ, but in some kind of an experience. One time I was uh, in the bus ministry, this is back a long time ago, and I was in Stockton and I was talking to some people and there was a guy sitting in his car and I went up to the guy and I started talking to him and the car smelled a little funny, if you know what I mean. And so I'm talking to this guy and boy, he was a nice guy. And, And I asked him, I said, hey, you know, We were talking about church and a lot of stuff, and I said, "Hey, do you know? Are you going? You know, do you know for sure if you're going to heaven? Is that something you ever thought about?" He goes, "Man, he goes, I've already been to heaven." I said, "That's awesome." I said, "You gotta, you gotta tell me what happened. How did this happen?" He said, "When I was a kid, I was probably ten or eleven. He said I ate some poisonous berries in the backyard, and he said I died and I went to heaven for a short period of time." I said, "Man, that is, that's amazing." And I said, what? And I, I'm curious now, what was it like? I said, what was heaven like? And he goes, he goes, the sky, heaven was just filled with kites. I said, kites? And I'm like thinking, like, what does that mean? I said, what kind of kites? He goes, Mexican kites. And so <laughs> he was basing his entire eternal existence on some kind of an experience he had when he was a kid. That's not biblical. Amen. It's not biblical. We, and then some people, they base, uh, well, I would, and a lot of people tell you, I know that I'm saved because I was driving down the street and I almost got hit by a car. I was in a car accident and, and oh man, I saw this bright light and I feel like, and all these things are, 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 are fine and maybe you experience something. But let me tell you a, a phrase, keep it in your mind. Just because you have a spiritual experience doesn't mean it's from God. The devil is fooling people all across this world. There's a church up north, won't say the name of the church, it's in Redding, California. They have a large college for young people going into ministry. They have something in their services called a honey bucket. And all it is is an empty barrel. And if you watch the services online, I don't recommend you do this with your kids if you wanna do it on your own, but what they'll do in the services, they'll go to this honey bucket and these college students will put their head in the bucket and then they'll come out and they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. They'll flop on the ground and act like they're having a seizure and they'll shake and they'll, they'll flop on the ground. They'll have this thing called what's called holy laughter where they'll just laugh incessantly for hours and hours and hours and hours. You might have a spiritual experience, but that doesn't mean it's from God. And all God's people said, amen. I'm not trying to hurt anybody tonight. I'm just simply telling you, if you read the book of Corinthians and you read these books, you're not going to find holy laughter. You're not going to find these kinds of things in the Bible. And so this type of soil, it's built on hype and emotion. They don't have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling inside of them as the root of salvation. They do not possess salvation. They do not possess it. They profess it. The tragedy is that is not a good state to be in. That's deception. To live and think that you're saved, but to be deceived is very tragic. How does this happen? How does this happen? It's very simple. False doctrine, period. It's false doctrine, teaching something that is not in the Bible, I'm sure this happens in church, churches, any, any kind of church where somebody has an emotional experience, but typically this happens in very charismatic type churches where people have, a, uh, have you ever seen Benny, Benny Hinn's uh, 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 machine gun, Holy Spirit machine gun, and he's shooting people and they're falling down in the balcony? Th- these are These are experiences that people supposedly have, but none of that stuff is biblical. And all God's people said, amen, amen. it's not in the Bible. And so we have to stick with what the Bible says. So, pastor, you say, pastor, man, how do I know that I'm saved? How do I know that I have the root? How do I know that when someone is truly saved by the blood of Christ and has the Holy Spirit indwelling in our hearts, there will be evidence of that? Let's take our Bibles and go to Matthew chapter number 7. I'm going to hurry because I know you want pumpkin desserts and all that kind of stuff. Matthew chapter number 7. I know I have some more points here, but I may end the service early. Probably not. Uh, Let's see here. Matthew chapter number 7. Look at verse 16. You shall know them by their what? Fruits, do men gather grapes of thorns, figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth what? Good fruit. A corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. Verse 20, let's read it together. Ready to begin? Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. You will know them by the fruits. The evidence, can unsaved people have evidence of salvation? Yes, they can. Can an unsaved person act like they're saved? Sure, they can. Can a saved person have an evidence in their life that they're not saved? Absolutely. So we cannot ultimately tell who's saved or who's not. That's not our job. We don't, we don't, we cannot tell that. And that's not for us to tell. That's between that person and the Lord. But we can look at somebody's fruit and make an assessment, but there's no way that we can know what's going on in somebody's heart. The important thing, the point is tonight, Am I saved? Philippians chapter number two, verse twelve. Paul says this to the Philippians: Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, not just when I'm around, but not uh, uh, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Paul didn't say work for your salvation. He said work out your salvation. Make sure that you're saved. Make sure your salvation is rooted. In Christ. I'm rooted in Him, not in my works, not in my church service, not in my heritage, not in anything, but in Christ. My salvation is rooted in Him. Say, Pastor, how do I know that I'm truly saved then? Colossians chapter number two, verse six through eight. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. If we wanna make sure that we're saved, all we have to do is make sure that we are rooted in Christ in the cross, in, our, in his blood. And he died on the cross for us. We're not trusting in our works. We're not trusting in my, the fact that our parents go to church. Are, we're rooted, our salvation is rooted in Christ. Not an emotional experience, not in baptism, but in Christ. So then we come to the thorny ground. So we talked about the stony ground. We talked about the wayside, now the thorny ground. This is a very short one. Matthew chapter 13, verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. When a seed is planted in the ground, it needs a lot of attention. How many have learned that? All you gardeners, when you put a seed in the ground, that's just the beginning. Now you need to pull weeds, you need to water it, you need to fertilize it. The thorny ground could be said is the double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. James chapter number one, verse eight. To follow Christ, what did Christ say? We must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Those who get saved and they allow the world to choke out their fellowship of Christ, their discipleship of Christ. Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Many don't follow Christ because they don't want to give up things. Well, I'm just, and brother, you said it earlier. I got to get my act together to come. That's not how the Lord works. He's the one who cleans us up. We don't clean ourselves up. So come to church as you are. Come to Christ as you are. He's the one that does the saving. He's the one that does all the work. We just need to come to him. But some people, they don't want to come to him because they don't want to give up things. They don't want to give up whatever. And uh, Jesus said, though, if we are going to follow Christ, he says this, he that will save his life will what? He'll lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake and the gospel shall find it we see the wayside, the stony, the thorny ground. We don't want to live in the thorny ground. We want to live We want to live for Christ in our life, seeking first the kingdom of God. I don't know how many people in my life, and I hope it never happens to me, but I don't know how many people in my life, the cares of the world grow up in their life and they choke out their service for God. I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want it to happen to anybody. Maybe tonight there's some weeds in our life that we need to start pulling. We see... Lastly tonight, really what I want to end the message here is on the good ground. Number four, the good ground. Matthew chapter number 13, verse 23. But he that receiveth the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and what? Understandeth it. Oh, the good ground. Mark chapter four, verse 20 says, of the good ground. And these are they which are sown in good ground, such as hear the word and what? Receive it. Luke says this in Chapter number 8, verse 15, but that on good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it. These are interesting phrases that the different gospels give of this good ground. The first thing that we notice about the good ground, letter A, is that the good soil receives. It receives. Say, Pastor, how do I become a Christian? You must receive it for yourself. Nobody can receive it for you. Your parents can't do that. Nobody else can do it. You must receive it. The good soil receives it. Matthew chapter number 13, verse 23 says uh, this word receive. It it means to understand. It takes root. They understand the gospel and they understand all all that it's about. And sometimes when we witness to people or we give the gospel, it just makes sense. They understand it. And sometimes they don't. You need to talk to them again or, or go over it again. And many of us in our lives, we didn't get saved or come to Christ the first time we heard the gospel. It took many times. And the good ground receives it. It receives it. It believes it. The question is tonight is, are we listening? Are we listening? Are we receiving? Maybe tonight you don't know for sure that Christ is your God. You, you don't know for sure you're following him. You don't know for sure heaven is your home. The question is, are you listening? Are you receiving? Mark chapter four, verse 20 puts it this way. Receiveth it. It means to embrace it, to admit to its authenticity. The root Goes deep in the heart that believes in the Word of God. The good ground receives the Word as opposed to rejecting it or ignoring it. Satan has always tried to discredit the Word of God, has he not? Satan has done his best to discredit it. I don't know if you know this, but for many, many years, people have been trying to get rid of the Bible. Is Satan not trying to get rid of the Bible now? If anything, he's trying to discredit God. Here's the thing tonight. Satan cannot discredit the word of God. He has tried. And all God's people said, he cannot discredit God. Well, I found this or I found that. I'm telling you right now, he has never done it. He cannot discredit the word of God, but he can discredit the word of God in your heart. See, Satan, what he tries to do is discredit God in my heart so that I don't believe what the Bible says. The Bible is perfect. It's the word of God. Amen? Amen? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Satan can't do anything about this, but he can sure mess up my heart to where no matter what you say, no matter what the Bible says, I don't believe it. And that's what Satan is trying to do is destroy the credibility of God's word in man's heart by confusing, distorting, and manipulating God's word. If you're sitting in this room tonight and you're doubting the perfect eternal word of God, Satan is, his, Satan is doing his work in your heart. The good ground, Jesus said, receives the word, admits to its authenticity. Let her be here. The good soil remains. Luke chapter number 8, verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart have heard the word and keep it. The word keep suggests That the seed, it's kind of like when you put the seed in the ground, you push it down a little bit and cover it up so that it stays in one spot. And so this word here, to keep it, suggests holding that seed safe in place so that the sprout can come out of the ground. And so the good soil keeps that seed and allows the word of God to sprout, to take root in their heart. How do we remain in the word? Jesus helps us with that. John chapter 15, verse five. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? Much fruit as the seed is received at one time. And I do believe that it is, uh, we do have the responsibility to receive that seed. And all God's people said, "God God didn't create all of mankind and put the seed in some people and not in others. It's our responsibility to receive that seed for ourselves. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's up to you to call. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. We're sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. After that, ye hear the word of truth. There's a lot of other scriptures we can go into about that. And so it is our responsibility to receive the word, to keep the word, but we must abide in Christ. What happens And I'll end with this. What happens when the good soil receives and and it remains? Let her see what happens is good soil results in fruit. Results in fruit. A Christian should be bringing forth fruit. Brother Renison's going through the fruits of the spirit in the Berean class. Is it 50 or 55 above or it doesn't really matter? 55 and above in the, in the back room back there at 10 o'clock on Sundays, he's going through the fruits of the Spirit. A Christian, as they grow in Christ and that seed germinates and begins to grow, and as we grow in Christ, we should start to show the fruits of the Spirit in our life. Amen? And a Christian who, who remains will result in fruit. Matthew chapter number 13, verse 8, some a hundredfold, some 60-fold, some 30-fold. What is Jesus talking about there? What he's talking about is not everybody's the same. We don't all bring forth the same fruit. I think about Rick Martin uh, uh, over in uh, the Philippines, and he's started hundreds and hundreds of churches in the Philippines, reaching thousands and thousands. I hope I have my facts there right, but just doing an incredible job in the Philippines. And I think about other, other people, that they bring forth fruit in different, in different ways, in different, and God, we're not all the same, amen? I don't look at your fruit and you look at my fruit and think, man, my My fruit's not as good as your fruit. That's not what God wants. He wants us to be fruitful, though. I said he wants us to be fruitful, though. Amen? Amen. And so the good soil brings forth fruit. So the question tonight is, would I consider myself good soil? Am I bringing forth fruit in my life? Matthew says some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Am I bringing any fruit? Am I bearing any fruit in my life? So tonight, which soil are you? Which soil are you? If you're already saved and you know it, you know you're a Christian, that's the good soil. But are we bringing forth fruit? Maybe you're someone here tonight and, and that, that seed has been put in your heart, but you haven't allowed that to go deep into your heart. I want to challenge you tonight. Would you receive that seed? Would you accept Christ as your Savior? Here's the invitation tonight. Have you received the, the Word of God in your life? Have you received it? And if you have, how's your fruit? How's your fruit? Let's pray together tonight.